Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. Bross. And I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And this is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. Each week, one of us is re-watching the film, and the other is seeing it for the first time. This week, we get to travel back to 1986. Yay! And watch a movie that I was astounded to learn that Leah's never seen, because in my mind, every single person in the world has seen this movie. Little Shop of Horrors. And I just want to start this by saying I have never heard any of the songs in this film. Shut up. But yesterday... You have never heard Little Shop of Horrors. No, but yesterday I was kind of walking around and thinking about it and I was like, I wonder what the songs will be. And in my head I was like, and it probably wasn't the exact notes, but I was like, Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors. And then they started (laughs) singing it and I was like, what the fuck? Was I incepted by this movie? (laughs) I don't know how you've managed no. to make it so long. No. I don't know. I think the things that I I know of, I, I feel like I remember Steve Martin saying in some other context, feed me, Seymour, feed me. Why um, would Steve Martin say it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So you were really confused. I had no idea so many people were in this movie. So, I oh, mean, I yeah. knew Rick Moranis was in it and that was it. That was it. That was it. I know. I went in blind. I knew it's nothing. great. Yeah. I don't. That's amazing to me. So yeah. But no. Tell me about your first time. My first time. So I don't entirely remember my first time. I actually was talking to my dad the other day, and I asked him if he remembered the first time he showed it to me because hundred percent it was my parents, mm-hmm. and he kind of laughed and said, "I don't know. Um, I just remember I really wanted to see it because." I loved the original, the 1960, with, with Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson which yeah. I didn't look that one up. I read a little bit about it. I've never seen it, but I do remember my dad mentioning it. It's not a past. musical, though, is it? No. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's a movie. And <laughs> someone's having a hairball <laughs> in the background. Out. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's really loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> I hope he's okay. Wait, he's got more. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody, ho- Everybody hang on. Wait, wait for it. Aww. Oh, there's usually one more. There's usually three. Oh, they come in threes. Yeah, there's usually three. But he seems like maybe he's done. <laughs> he's looking back at what he left behind in the this hallway. This is why his nickname is Barf. Oh, dear. You don't need to come over here now. Yep, there it is. Your mom will bring it to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, we're done. <laughs> That's it, folks. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> Anyway, back to the movie. I'm going to do it, too. (laughs) I need to remember that's there so I can clean it up later. (laughs) A little shop of horrors. 
So yeah, my dad said he he really wanted to see it um, because he liked the 1960s version and he knew that this was uh, quirky. And so he thought that that like my brother and I would like it. We would have been really young. Um, he couldn't remember for sure when we first saw it. If it came out in 86, my guess is it probably, my parents probably rented it on video when it came out on video. So, so in the late 80s, mid to late, late 80s. 80s. So I mean, I it, it is one of those movies to me that, I just always knew about, which mm-hmm. means I was young well, for you sure the, the yeah. first time I saw it. Um, so I can't tell you exactly when the first time was. Uh, I do know, it's funny, like the mentioning the songs, I that's kind of what stuck with me over the years. It's been probably, oh, 20 years at least since I've actually sat there and watched this movie so- before last night. But what sticks with you is just, like, I, I, I do remember very vividly um, Audrey II in all of her forms. I remember uh-huh. thinking that she was really cute. She even. is a bud, especially. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But even as a as an adult killer alien plant, I still kind of thought teeth, she was, yeah, I still kind of thought she was cool and cute. And there was a, I do remember thinking that Seymour was kind of mean when he was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to feed you anymore. Even as a small kid, I remember thinking like, well, what's she supposed to do? Like, a plant's got to eat. So you weren't scared? No, I was, it didn't scare me at all. That's not that funny. I can recall anyway. Huh. Um, and the other thing that I find interesting about this movie is I, I am not a fan of musicals. I can count the number of musicals on one. I like The Sound of Music. Mm. Holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I think West Side Story is great. I don't really watch it. Like, I've only seen it a few times, but mm-hmm. I think it's good, sure. Les Mis, I love. Mm-hmm. And Into the Woods. And Wow, Into the Woods. I, yeah, I, I love Into the Woods. I came out of left field with Into, Sorry. Into the Woods. But Into the Woods. And, I mean, I remember reading Into the Woods. And because so much of the music in that is hilarious. But, of course, you tend to lose sight of the words when you're mm-hmm. listening to somebody actually singing it. But I remember reading it in college and just laughing out loud the entire time um and and little shop of horse so i'm not a big fan of musicals but there is something about this that is um i think humor helps for Mm -hmm. me yeah and i think one of the big problems that i tend to have with musicals is this concept that nobody thinks it's strange that people are breaking into song and like singing when they should be speaking but when you put it in a world that's so kind of off and strange and bizarre already like this one yeah it it works it's fine it doesn't it always with musicals I tend to be completely taken out of the story because all of a sudden we're breaking into song yeah you really have to just suspend your disbelief right that. but that's yeah. not what's happening here because I'm already in a different it, crazy kind of world this too feels very much like a like a stage musical in a lot of ways. The sets even feel that yeah. that way. Yeah. It feels less like a movie. And I think the, honest to God, I think the main reason why I loved it as much as a kid is um, Rick Moranis. He was a huge part of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like Parenthood was one of my yep. absolute favorite movies. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, mm-hmm. one of my absolute favorite movies. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, <laughs> obviously one of my absolute favorites. So having him there felt very um comfortable to me like he he was a part of my childhood anyway uh and then someone else who was a huge part of my childhood whom I adore Frank Oz so is he Yoda he is Yoda he is also Cookie Monster so I know the name Frank Oz and then I was looking him up and seeing all the stuff that he'd done 
Um, well, I mean, he was one of the originators of, of Sesame Street and the Muppets in general. And I, to this day, have an undying love of the Muppets. And I think that's one of the reasons why I loved Audrey, too, even though she's a killer alien or he, it is a killer alien plant. I still had this kind of love and wanted to go and, like, hug him. <laughs> and I think there's that uh, aspect that's just very... It, it reminded me of the my Muppet friends, too. So so you said he's Cookie Monster, but Cookie Monster is Sesame Street. Yeah. But the Muppets are, like, Kermit the Frog. And, yeah, but Frank Oz originated Sesame Street while working with the Muppets as well. Okay. Uh, working right. with Jim Henson. I don't know. When I hear yeah, Muppets, yeah. I think of, like, Kermit and Miss Piggy and stuff. Mm-hmm. No, um, he's Miss Piggy, too. Okay. He's Miss Piggy. He's Miss Piggy. He's yeah. Grover. He's Cookie Monster. He's Yoda. He's quite talented. He's fucking Frank Oz. I know. He directed The Dark Crystal. Ah, uh, yes. He, I, mean, I mean, I did read some stuff about him working with Jim Henson, and then I know that he works with Jim, Jim Henson's Henson for kids years, worked yeah. in, I guess his son was one of the puppeteers for Audrey, and yeah. that was one of the things that really impressed me about this this movie, I think, was the, the puppetry and of Audrey and, and all of that seemed very realistic. I loved it. And it's so funny. I'm, I'm watching it. So I feel this, I feel a very strong way about computer animation, and you can just call me like a crotchety old man. I don't really give a fuck. Uh, I feel like computer animation in many ways is killing the realism of movies today. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah. And I had this thought also while I was watching... Well, first of all, Jurassic Park, I think, is a prime example of that. I think when watching Jurassic Park, the original, the thing that made it work in terms of being realistic was the fact that there were real... They weren't real dinosaurs, but there were real animatronics. animatronics, Yeah. Yeah. so you're not dealing with, you know, looking at a dot and acting towards a dot right. and trying to, you know, interact with it. You're you're interacting with something real. And you have that in this as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it and all I could think was, man, if they made this today, it would probably be like a computer animated one. It would be so fucking shitty. And then I looked at Little Shop of Horrors on IMDb because mm-hmm. I was going to look at the trivia. And I saw that they are remaking it. They are not. They Because one of my are, questions Which kind of makes sense. Do you know, it kind of makes sense because it's like every 30 years or so, right? Because one of my questions, one of my burning questions for this movie was like, who is our Rick Moranis today? And if you were going to recast this movie, who would you who would you cast in it today? So who is cast? Taron Egerton is <sighs> Seymour, which I think he could do. Um, yeah. Scarlett Johansson as Audrey. Okay, that makes sense. Which I actually kind of got, got excited when I yeah. Yeah, saw that. Uh, Chris Evans. No. As the dentist, yeah, as Oren. That's perfect. He's I kind of, I know. I So as pissed as I was to hear it, I'm also kind of looking forward to it. It's in pre-production now. I don't remember hearing anything about this, but we'll see what they do. But man, here's the thing. If they don't fucking have puppets, it ain't going to work. I can flat out tell you. If there is a computer generated Audrey 2, I think I'm fucking out. Like the, uh, was it Call of the Wild that just came out maybe a year or so ago with, uh... Harrison Ford. Yes, with Harrison Ford. I saw the trailer. It's a great story. It is. I saw the trailer for that and fucking laughed out loud in the theater. Because it's... There are real dogs in the world that can... do that. Yes. Yes. And if you were concerned about certain um, emotions maybe not being played out on a dog's face, which is bullshit anyway... You could make a puppet or make an animatronic mm. model or maybe just tweak it a little bit. But I, I have a real problem with the, 
the computer animation. I just do. Man, I am so just dis- like I really wanted to talk about who is today's because I don't. Did think- I just ruin it for you? Well, who, no, well, who would you have I chosen? I don't think that Taron Edgerton is today's Rick Moranis. Oh no, no. So I, I read that and I, I don't thought know that anybody is no, today's Rick Moranis. Exactly. I read that and I thought, okay, I'm sure he can do that. A lot of people have played the part because it's mm-hmm. it's a musical. It's, it's a show, been on yeah. right. Um, but no, I was thinking that too. You know, who who is Rick Moranis? There hasn't been one since he stopped working. And I don't believe that there will be one again. And there has been a hole in my heart since, what, like 19, the early 1990s, I think was about the time he stopped working. I'm just trying to think of a character actor who would be in his late 20s, early to mid 30s, who's just a geeky, nerdy, small dude. I think there are plenty out there who are capable of it. I don't know that there are as many out there who embody it. I think that's the difference. Is I, I could like... see some of them, do, like, like Taron Edgerton, I think, could do it. I think um, Spider-Man kid. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. He's great at playing geeky. He could do it, right, but, but it's not all, them. They're cute. They're all good looking. Like, that's what I'm saying. Well, like, yeah, they're, that's what I mean. leading They men. don't embody it. Right, in the same right. Way. And he, he, and he's the, a leading he man is, in this movie. He was a leading man in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and all the Honey, I whatever movies. And he's a good actor. You he's a great actor. And he understand just, him and feel him and buy him in everything, no matter if he's playing just a regular dorky yes. guy or kind of a, a scientific dorky dad. He can, he can, and he can be a, he can be the character actor. He can be the guy who's like, are you the gatekeeper? The fucking weird guy who's been possessed in, and he can be the romantic, like this, the stiff, practical, scientific guy who softens up and becomes the romantic in Parenthood. Right. Oh, be still my heart. That's one of my favorite parts of that movie when he sings to her in the classroom. Oh, yeah. Um, Which was the first time I ever heard that song. And I remember <laughs> hearing it and thinking like, what, what the fuck is, is this? <laughs> Why do birds suddenly appear? Anyway. It's so bizarre. <laughs> when he gets up in her face. Oh. <laughs> to you <laughs> so anyway i but he's not a traditionally handsome man so he's not your leading man material like your taron edgerton's or your tom holland's mm-hmm. so who in hollywood but ra- you know what's funny too what are the three people i read off there taron edgerton scarlett johansson chris evans big time big deal not even i don't even give a shit about the big deal part those three people are fucking gorgeous yes objectively gorgeous mm-hmm. nobody in this 86 film is that's right steve martin i fucking love steve martin not objectively gorgeous ellen ellen i don't remember her name oh ellen green ellen green uh amazing love Mm -hmm. her i've seen her in a few other things over the years this is the first time i've ever seen her yeah i've seen her in a few things more as um like guest roles like as i've recognized her after this of course this is the only Mm -hmm. thing i really really know her from but not super gorgeous Mm -hmm. i mean built but not like the most and, and i don't know if that it kind of made me sad because I am thinking, <laughs> is it just that they happen to cast gorgeous people because they were around and they can? Or is it that there's no one left to cast who isn't That's fucking what I'm saying. gorgeous? Like, so thinking about, so all of the people in this, like Moranis, Steve Martin, Jim Belushi, who else shows up? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. <laughs> Oh my god. I almost died. Again, I didn't know. It was like a surprise every time they showed up. I got excited. Do you excited. know who I got really excited about? Who? Tisha Campbell. 
Right, yes. Because I did not remember her being in this at all. Of course I wouldn't, because I haven't, I mean, I know Tisha Campbell mostly from my wife and kids, Mm -hmm. and that was many, many, many years later, so no, I didn't, like, ever equate, so she started singing, I'm looking at her, I'm going, I know her. I know her, and then the other woman whose name I don't know, but who was on Martin, I recognized Mm -hmm. her, too, and I was like, I fucking know her, too. How did I not know these people? (laughs) Where is this? Even Christopher Guest shows up. Christopher Guest shows up, and he's so young. I know. So, so... I guess I'm thinking of the comedic actors who we have now who aren't your traditional leading man, good looking. There's Seth uh, Rogen. Seth Rogen, sure. Seth Rogen, and you've got your who's your your lover boy? Who, um, Jason Manzukis. No, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine him as the dentist though? It would be great. It would be amazing. I probably rather he could see be the Bill him Murray the character. Bill Murray character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The uh, masochistic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though. I mean, we're talking about Rick Moranis and how he's the only Rick Moranis there can be. There can't be another Bill Murray either. No, there can't. So, yeah. So, you've got your Seth Rogen. You've got Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. You're just talking about people who are overweight, though. No, no. I'm talking about comedic actors. Um, no, I'm Michael talking about... Michael Sarah. Uh, yeah, Michael Sarah. Uh, no. Uh, who's the guy you're, you're in love with? Barry. Oh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader. He would be wonderful, I think, yeah. in this. I love can Bill Hader. Sing? I don't know. Get him. Get him. Get him. Because I think he would be really great as um, Seymour. I think he'd be great as Seymour. Do you know what would, and I was thinking about this too as I was watching it last night after I found out that they're apparently remaking it. One of the great things that I remember thinking about picking up on even as a young kid, one of the things that really helps to kind of show the mismatch between Audrey and Seymour, mm-hmm. not just that Rick Moranis is this dorky guy and she's this, it's you know, blonde difference. bombshell, but the height difference. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to duplicate that. Yeah. Who did you, it was Taryn, Taryn Edgerton I don't know. Short. Yeah, but Scarlett Johansson's she's, pretty short too. Yeah, I so, think so. I guess if you put her in heels. And, yeah. and I don't know that that's necessary. I'm just saying it's something that I remember picking up on because it's an, an easy visual cue to kind of show you that they don't belong together, though they do. I know. I haven't seen Taryn Edgerton in anything. I haven't seen The Kingsman. I tried to watch that bullshit Robin Hood movie and I couldn't get through it. I haven't seen Rocket Man. That was bad. I can't think of any. I I can't think of anything that I might have seen him in something and I can't recall. I he hasn't done anything that's I when I saw the trailers for Rocket Man I was like damn that looks kind of fun. But yeah, I just can't watch it. Well, and then I, I found seen out Bohemian Rhapsody either. Bohemian Rhapsody is great. Though the problem I have with Rocket Man is I I did haven't seen it, and the reason is because I heard it was essentially like a musical that mm-hmm. they would just kind of break into song. And yeah. like I just said, you I just don't. That. Yeah, that's just that's the same reason I haven't seen La La Land. I hear it's great. I'm sure, I'm sure it probably it is. is. It it's just that kind of thing really takes me out of movies typically. Yeah. Now when you're in a fantastical world already, like I said, like mm-hmm. this or I a get Disney it. cartoon or yeah or you know like the um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite Christmas movies. You know what this, and I can't really, I shouldn't really say, like, this reminded me of another movie that I know, because this came before that movie, but it was giving me Edward Scissorhands vibes. Um, yeah. That and same kind of, like, weirdness, and it yeah. takes place in the same time period, like, when she's having, Ish. when, um... Oh, like her fantasy Audrey's about the, the green fantasy spaces. Of the house and, and everything, yeah. it definitely was giving me those Edward Scissorhands vibes, and it's got this, like, kind of... Um, creepy well, elements. Exactly. It's really dark, mm-hmm. uh, but also kind of funny. And it but tugs also, at your heartstrings. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I would... And I loved isn't... Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. For, I think, that same reason, that it's mm-hmm. creating... So I've talked before about, you know, one of my 
favorite or my favorite movie is Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And I never expected to fall in love with that movie the way I did. It was just as I was sitting in the theater, I could I could feel the world melting away. Mm -hmm. Like I was I was enraptured by this. Yeah, this fantasy world. And that is does not typically happen for me. Mm -hmm. There are very few movies that I can can say do that for me. And a lot of them are ones like um, that have that kind of that vibe like mm-hmm. uh like little shop of horrors or edward scissorhands um i know there are others similar to that and i'm totally blanking but i think a lot of them were in that era and and uh edward scissorhands director tim burton uh, uh, tim burton can do that not all of his movies do mm-hmm. that for me but he can do that for me to you create like sleepy this hollow? i love sleepy hollow i did not love sleepy hollow i didn't hate it but i didn't love it cast for mandy and baby <laughs> it's a tough cast for, for the win anyway so yeah, I don't know how it happens, what the exact um, things that meld together to create that magic for me are. Mm-hmm. I do definitely suspect Frank Oz has a hand in it with this yeah. one. Um, like I said, I have a special place in my heart for all things Muppets. And and I think if you watch the Muppet movies too, like, yeah, they're for kids, but not entirely. No. There is always an element of adult danger mm-hmm. in them like there's always some sort of of real high stakes mm-hmm. and emotion that's imbued in them too um which you certainly get when an alien plant is trying to take over the world the mere fact that <laughs> okay so if we get back to the movie at hand <laughs> the, the mere fact that he recognizes that a plant is making kissy noises at him and likely once his blood, which I love. That's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he sticks his finger out and Audrey, too, is like, mm-hmm. and then he sticks his other finger out and and she, like, shakes her head, <laughs> snaps her lips shut and, like, shakes mm-hmm. her head. I love that. And he's just so, and this is, uh, this is fucking Rick Moranis. He's just so, like, hesitant, but also really just wanting to do the right thing for her. And, you know, so, okay, well, I'll just give you a little drop because it seems like the good thing. And then the next scene you see him and his fingers are all covered in bandages and you know he's been feeding this mm-hmm. plant for weeks or months or however long it's been. And it's it's so perfect. Like, it just makes me love him so much. As um, that character, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. He, and then he cares about her enough to give her his own blood. And like, you don't get the feeling that, I, I mean, it's played out as though, of course, you know, this plant is there to help bring money in and save mm-hmm. the business and save their jobs. And that's kind of the um, real world application, I guess you could say, <laughs> of, of this plant. But you get the feeling, too, that, yeah, he does care. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. horticulturist. Yeah culturalist and he, he wouldn't have picked her if he didn't think she was really neat right and i think he is exactly he's really interested and and he wants to keep her alive and he's been trying all the different things and he does the thing that people do with plants where they talk to them as though they're real people and uh, it's just so i remember even as a kid just thinking like this is really sweet mm-hmm. um that he's treating this plant like a pet or like mm-hmm. a loved one which I think is part of the reason why I thought that she was so cute even as she was older because you know I love my dog and if he goes aggressive and starts trying to eat the neighbors I'm still gonna love him yeah I might feed him the neighbors just right. to keep him going just if he needs quiet. it <laughs> yeah it it was I guess there was some some other kind of element to it like Audrey was telling him Audrey too was telling him you don't think all of these things would be happening if it weren't for me. Like, kind of mm-hmm. implying that they had, that Audrey 
two had some kind of power over what was going on. That like, and it was interesting when they put the plant in the door or in the window. Somebody immediately shows up and starts. What is that fascinating? Yeah, what's an interesting? So is is Audrey like controlling people's minds? Like, what's going on? And maybe the reason she can't necessarily control, although she does convince Seymour to kill. I um I had never thought about that. That maybe there's an element of mind control. I was thinking it was more probably knowing coming to this planet Mm -hmm. knowing the people of this planet and how they would react to something Mm -hmm. cool and different and just putting on a show for them i don't know i think it's interesting that audrey is a very sexy woman who puts on a show Mm -hmm. without even really meaning to i love the part where she was saying you know yeah i work at this i worked at this uh, club and i have to wear this outfit that you know it's Mm -hmm. nothing like this really sleek and pretty number that I have on Mm -hmm. right now which of course is just like a slinky sexy dress anyway um so I mean she's putting herself on display in a way that gets a lot of attention not always necessarily the best attention Mm -hmm. but she does that and Audrey too is kind of playing off of the same Mm -hmm. thing you know I look different and I look unique and as I grow, I look even more different and more unique. And you put me on display and I can bring in all kinds of attention and money mm-hmm. and everything. So maybe maybe Audrey, too, was just bullshitting him to get him to do what she wanted him to do. Like, because she did kind of convince I him. I mean, she's manipulative for sure. Right? She she convinces him to, to continue to feed her and that he's going to get what he wants. And what he wants is a happy life with Audrey. Audrey. Which is really sweet. Which is interesting. I don't think he knows what he wants until he starts to get the opportunity. He says when he's singing Suddenly Seymour, mm-hmm. it's sudden. It's sudden that he even realizes, mm-hmm. I think, that, yeah, he has a crush on her. But I don't. he never thought that they would have a chance together. Yeah. And he grew up as a poor orphan, so I don't think he ever thought that there would be the chance that he'd make any money. So I don't think he even started this out with any kinds of thoughts or ambitions or, in, or intentions. Mm-hmm. It was just, well, you know, I have an interesting plant that might bring people into the shop oh well it does well i guess we'll just get... you can tell he's just along for the ride mm-hmm. when he goes to see john candy oh john candy i forgot oh yes and he showed up and i got excited yeah. so you know when he goes to to see him and to go on the radio like he has this look on his face the whole time of where am i what's mm-hmm. happening what's going and on and audrey's like sniffing that lady's were they implying she was on her period maybe it was I, gross. There were a lot of things in this movie. You're telling me you saw it when you were a kid. And that, I was like thinking, oh, wouldn't it be scary for a kid? But there's a lot of stuff in here. I didn't get that when I was a the kid. The way that um, the dentist guy, the way that Steve Martin's character treats Audrey, like that's like abuse. Like you see it. You yeah. actually see the abuse. And they, talk, they refer to it so much. She has a black eye when you first meet her. No, oh, it's just a new eye makeup. <laughs> fucking see more um it was really sweet of him to say that no the <laughs> what was uh mr mush mushnik is it mushnik i think so yeah <laughs> when he goes i'm starting to think maybe he's not the nicest guy <laughs> in the world or whatever however oh he's great too Mushnick. so there's a lot of adult stuff happening there is but i think the fact that it's in this kind of bizarro world and it's a musical and it's kind of glossed over in a lot of ways it's easy for a kid to just gloss over it as well Mm -hmm. it's not like it's i mean it's a main plot point but like as a kid i understand that steve martin's bad Mm -hmm. without understanding that he's really what he's really doing yeah Yeah. and i guess i i mean we watch kids watch disney movies there's death in disney movies Mm -hmm. all the time bad people 
Like, yeah. the Lion King and Scar immediately comes to mind, where Mufasa dies at the beginning, and it's, you know. Yeah, I think you can definitely understand this one is bad, this one is good, mm-hmm. without catching on to all the subtleties and the intricacies yeah. that you get as an as an adult. You know, I don't know why I never saw this. Like, I like I said, I heard the Feed Me, See More, Feed Me thing, and um, whether, I don't know who, in what context I heard it, I feel like it was Steve Martin, but I could be wrong, um, at work... <laughs> We have a program called Audrey 3. Yes. So I didn't get until today that Audrey 3. I knew that Audrey was. Wait a minute, was, you never got it? I, Aud- We've talked I about it. I knew that Audrey was in the movie, but I thought there was an Audrey 3 in the movie. But now I know Audrey, and then Audrey 2, and then we had Audrey 3, and we are feeding Audrey 3 data. Correct. It's a data input system. That's right. So I get it. I get it. Fully get it now. <laughs> Which is why it cracks me up, too, that you're like. I vaguely remember Steve Martin saying, feed me, see more. I'm like, I've said it to you. I know other people have too, Probably, just yeah. because it's, it's but a I thing in the world. There was something I saw with him where he was like, feed me, see more, feed me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what, maybe. And so when it started playing and I started to realize, I was like, oh, he's Seymour. Oh, oh now I get it. And but then, <laughs> he's not. I don't. Oh, you mean Seymour. Seymour, Seymour in the movie, Seymour, yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess I don't know why. I never, like it wasn't anything my parents. I would think that they would have seen it, but I. But my mom wouldn't have let me watch this when I was a kid. There's no way because of the scary aspect, or because, because of, of the, the adult? scary aspect, because of the adult themes. Like she would have definitely. Which it's funny because then the first real R-rated movie I ever watched with her was Silence of the Lambs, and when the guy which throws, probably scarier. The guy jerks off and like throws cum at like Jodie Foster's face. I remember being like, "Mom, what was that?" And she explained it to me I'm like. What? Like I just didn't even because I didn't even so really funny. know about sex and I'm like watching this and then she she was my mom was like it was semen and I'm like I don't understand what's happening like why would you do that <laughs> I don't I barely about? understand what that is but what? you can't watch like a, a puppet <laughs> no no people. but but we watched the Dark Crystal and that yeah. was terrifying no I thought the Dark Crystal it terrified yeah. me yeah. Little Shop of Horrors never scared me but the Dark Crystal sure shit yeah. did and we didn't watch and the uh, um, Labyrinth. Whew. Yeah, that one was scary. Yeah, I didn't see that. One I still get scared by Labyrinth. Yeah, that one's creepy. Yeah, that was more creepy than the Dark Crystal for sure. Um, definitely leaves you with a really fucked up feeling. I feel the same way about the Neverending Story. There's some fucked up things in the Neverending Story. Yeah, well, I can't look at the flying dog either. It freaks me out. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can't handle that. Like speaking of puppets, I love puppets, sure, but there was something about his mouth and his eyes that oh, I couldn't handle. I can't think of his name. But yeah, I guess um. I don't, I don't know why I never saw it. And then, of course, once... I feel like this is one of those movies where it's it's in the zeitgeist. Everybody knows that it's out there. But, yeah. I mean, we have a program named after it at work. That's why I thought it was so strange that you hadn't actually seen it. Yeah. And like I said, I haven't seen it in at least 20 years. Mm-hmm. But it still feels like it's been a part of my life because... Mm-hmm. I know the music. I will say, you know, you hear somebody say, feed me, and I'm sure it's going to say Seymour. Like, it's mm-hmm. just a, a part of my brain. I feel like now when somebody says, feed me, you should make kissing noises at them. I guess it depends on what they're eating. What they're, some next time somebody has a pricked finger. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I want blood. Just gross them out a little bit. Um, you know, nothing, I wasn't like, it was fun. I liked the way it felt. The music was fun. I just, I love Rick Moranis so Mm. much. And I was so, I, my favorite, my favorite thing was the whole dentist thing. The masochistic dentist, like, uh, or the sadist dentist who's, who's 
just just this even in some of the shots like they when he's working on a patient and you have the shot from the inside of the mouth yeah was really great but then when bill murray showed up i'm like man they just cranked it up to 11 i (laughs) remember vaguely that that happened but i didn't really really remember it Uh. and i cannot tell you how much I loved it. Last night watching it again, how excited I was to see him, how much I was just like staring open mouthed at the screen, just <laughs> watching him. Um, oh God, I just love Bill Murray so much. He's he's just fabulous. I, got, I was really grossed out. Cotton inside of the mouth, it gives me tingly cheek. It's giving me tingly cheeks right now. Um, That's weird. That like texture of cotton in between your cheek and your lip. I don't like it. So having to listen to him talk around. But he's so great. And I believe all of that was ad-libbed. Oh, yeah. It sounded like it. Yeah. Yeah. They just sent him in there and he went to town. (laughs) He's just going on and on about like, and then there was a dentist who was uh, (laughs) recommended by his grandmother and she's blind now, but I still like to go to her and she still says, you know, I can't see you, but I can hear you. Where are you? I can still hear you. Like just constantly on and on. He's got his own bib in his pocket. Like he's ready to go. As soon as he pulls out (laughs) some of the tools, (laughs) his eyes go wide and he's like... It was wild. Also, the first shot of Steve Martin on the motorcycle making mm. his funny Steve Martin faces, and he's got that black shock of hair, and the, it was really great. And the way he wields the motorcycle is that great, he gets too. off of it, and then it goes a and little it, bit for Exactly, him. yeah. And apparently Audrey fell off of it, but he kept going, and she's running <laughs> after him. And he's yelling at her like, idiot. It's, that was a, that was an interesting thing. So, before you ever meet his character, you've got this... Like, what is it Audrey says? Like, he's my, she can't, she's got a date. He's her only fella. Something like that. Like, mm-hmm. she's got this fantasy in her mind of what life's going to look like. And Seymour is in the fantasy. But for whatever reason, she doesn't think she can have Seymour. Instead, she's got this piece of shit dentist who's. She doesn't have any self-esteem. I, yeah. What is it they call it? Low self-image? Yeah. <laughs> An interesting way to refer to it. The Greek chorus. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, she, like she says, too, he he's a professional. So I think she has this idea that, first of all, she doesn't deserve any better. Yes, of course. Um, and second of all, yeah, maybe he could be her ticket out because he makes good money. Mm-hmm. He's a respected professional. Um, you know, so he does hurt me and beat me up and treat me like crap. But I kind of deserve that anyway. Mm-hmm. So what does it really matter? It's just a very sensitive and hard thing because they're, they're making light of who he is, Steve Martin's character, and they're making light of how he treats her. And it's not necessarily – it's a very fine line to walk. And I think they pulled it off. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I don't think they are making light of it. I think the entire world is a bit of a joke. It's a dark it's – and it's a dark place. But exactly, yeah. And I think you still get to see – you still get to see his sadism and you're kind of laughing about it when he punches the nurse. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he just fucking punched a coworker, like you know. And then ultimately, in the end, he gets his. Yeah, he does. I do remember, I do remember the laughing gas. Even as a kid, I remember the fa- the fact that he had like before I even knew what laughing gas was. Mm-hmm. I do remember him like taking the little portable <laughs> tube thing with him and getting <laughs> taking, high taking on it. a hit, taking so a hit of nitrous stupid. wherever. Stupid, yeah. The nurse. That's that's the uh, the nurse. From Romeo and Juliet. Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, Juliet's nurse. So, yeah. It, it's just... It was interesting how they... That all played out. I loved... 
Audrey's voice, mm-hmm. the high pitched. I haven't seen Singing in the Rain in many, many years, but um, one of my good friends just loved that movie and she loved doing the Lena Lamont voice. I've never seen Singing in the Rain. She's like, I have more money than Calvin Coolidge put together. Like just <laughs> really she's like the the antagonist in the in the in the movie and she's got this high she's like this Hollywood starlet with this high pitched voice mm. and I was getting that same vibe from Audrey. The moment when the uh, Seymour is showing them the plant and he's like, I gave her a name and they're like, what's the name? And he says Audrey too and Audrey just kind of does this, like, squeak inhale. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really cute. <laughs> like, she's just so pleased and happy about it. Um, they were really, really cute together. I just, it, there's something about, like, in the moment when they're going to run away together, mm-hmm. right? And so she's going to go off and pack, and he basically is like, yes, Audrey, I want to be with you if you'll have me. And his just the sincerity of it. I can't. There's something about Rick Moranis when he does that. It's the same as like the singing those to his big fucking puppy dog eyes and, too, and the vo- the sound of his voice. But yeah. I, I am overwhelmed by it every time, and that's the Rick Moranis I want in my life. Yeah. That is the one I need. The one yeah. who is the, the romantic, the sweetheart. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons I loved Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, too, mm-hmm. is he's kind of like a... He's a bumbling... He's a goofy, kind of, bumbling yeah. dad, but man, he loves his kids enough that he's going to, even though they shrunk down to the size of ants, <laughs> damn it, he's going to go out there and find him and protect him and do what he's got to do to bring him back. Isn't he, like, hanging on a harness with a magnifying glass? Yes. Like, floating over the them? yard? Yeah. Oh, God, it's been years since I've seen them. And, and what happens with Auntie in that movie is mm. it hurts me every time. It really does. But the cookie scene is probably one of my all-time yes. faves. Oh, God. I need to go home and watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids now. <laughs> it's been so many years since I've seen it, too, and I loved it so much. It's, it's a classic from our childhood, I think. It really is. Yeah. Because I, th- I can't think of... And that's a movie I probably saw multiple times as a kid. Oh, yeah. It's one of those ones you're over at your friend's house and it's on. And... Right. Or you just happen to have the video yeah. and you pop and it And I on. do feel like I remember talking to people about it in school, like talking about the oh, scenes really? and having... Yeah. Just one of those. <laughs> what is going on with these cats today? I don't know, man. All right. I'm trying to think if I had any other. So, yeah, I, I guess um, in general, you liked it. Did oh, you yeah. feel, but did you feel taken away to a different space and time, mm. a different world? Or did I... you just kind of enjoy it? I don't know if I felt taken away. I'm kind of like you when it comes to musicals. It's really hard for me. And the other thing about, I like musicals a lot. I'm with you on The Sound of Music, Carousel. Um, I can't, like, I'm not, I never really was into Les Mis. But the, the thing about musicals for me, there's always a point at which, and I feel this way sometimes with movies too, and I know I've said this before, you have all this exposition and these songs and you're getting to know people and you get into the world and there's a point at which I start to lose interest. There mm-hmm. is always a song where I'm like, Okay, I'm kind. You're losing me a little bit. Yeah, or I just don't like it. That's yeah. that's a good point. Like yeah. I, you watch a movie and you don't think to yourself after the fact. I just hated that discussion that they had. <laughs> like it's a, but you definitely after a musical, there's bound to be at least one song that you're like, yeah. man, I just didn't really like that song. Yeah, and, like you didn't, and and it, but it usually isn't in the beginning. It's usually kind of so. Like in the Sound of Music, it's the. The song that Captain and Maria sing together. Yes! Where they, that's the one Don't that give I a shit. Like. And also, Climb Every Mountain with the, the mother, whatever, oh, and I the nun. I was, it's a great song, but I was like, eh, who cares? Um, 
And but the beginning where she's like, honestly, watching her at the beginning of The Sound of Music where she's swinging her suitcases around and dancing yeah. down the street and singing at the top of her lungs, it wears me out watching it. Like I'm watching Julie Andrews and I'm like, this woman is a machine. She is. She's a fucking machine. Um, so in this movie, it was suddenly Seymour when they had that moment of like they're having that moment of confessing their love to each other. That that's when they kind of lost me. But I came back. I mean, I I think the love story. While I understood why it was a part of the movie, I was really wanting to know. Like I knew they were that the first victim was going to be the dentist. Like I, like oh, without sense. a doubt, you see that coming. Yeah. And then poor Mr. Mushnick, like. He was just a victim of circumstance. I mean, he's but he then he tried to take yeah. advantage of Seymour, but which was exactly. kind of shitty. He's kind of a dick. So he kind of then he gets well, yeah. But from the beginning, but he still cares about him. Like he was yeah, going to take him out to dinner Ooh. until Audrey couldn't go. He was going to take both of them out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, and then it was like, no, no, you just stay here and take care of that plant. But he was an opportunist, so yeah, he got what he deserved. But I think. For me, I mean, the, I don't know that he deserved to get eaten by a plant. <laughs> I'm just saying it was kind of a dick. You don't feel as bad about it. Yeah. I do think the great thing about this is basically Seymour's hands remain clean throughout the whole. If you think about it, like right, he went he with the intention of kill the dentist. The right. dentist was killed accidentally by his own. He nitrous did it mask. himself. Exactly. Sure, he cut him up, but only because this giant alien creature is telling he him he has it. to. Yes. And he didn't kill Mushnick. He just waited for Audrey to chomp mm-hmm. him up. I mean, I, I think when you have a character like him who is so kind of uh, meek and sweet, you want to feel that way about him the whole time. And mm-hmm. I don't know that you would if he actually did murder someone, mm-hmm. which I believe in the stage production he does to, to feed the plant. Oh, really? So I, and I've never seen it on stage. I kind of want to because I know the end is different as well. Hmm. Um, And yeah, I'd be curious to see if I feel the same way about it. Mm -hmm. But I do think that's something that, as a kid especially, helped to make it less scary and helped to maintain (laughs) Rick Moranis's uh, image in my mind is just mm-hmm. knowing that he's really not a bad guy. He didn't actually kill anybody. He's just trying to help out this plant. Mm. Yeah. It, he didn't actually kill anybody. I mean, he, he just hacked the guy up with a, I mean, yeah. He sure. was already dead. He didn't, he didn't do anything really terrible. And quite stiff. I don't know how he got that stiff that fast, but. So then, and the other thing, <laughs> the very end when Audrey collapses a building on him mm-hmm. but he's and he's under the rubble and then he knows even though he can't see to grab it, again it's suspension of disbelief i'm gonna sure. grab this yeah, electric yeah, yeah. cord not get shocked myself but, right and shock i'm you. fine <laughs> yeah and then apparently there's an audrey bud that has survived sure i mean alien i guess yeah was that supposed to imply that audrey buds landed all over the planet was it supposed to imply that one had survived? i think it was just saying that it's not She's gone. She's not gone. Yeah. Which felt very kind of 80s horror movie to me. Like, at the end, they always kind of stick something in. It's like, yeah. it's not gone for good. Right. I feel like I saw something like that in Critters, if I remember correctly. Which one? Like, <laughs> all, maybe in all of them, but yeah. there's like, they're not actually gone. Um, or Ghoulies. Oof. Yeah, that would be, I don't think I ever saw Ghoulies, but same idea. There's yeah, yeah. 80 horror films where it's like, it's not totally gone. Yep. It can come back. Um... Did you find it scary at all? I mean, I'm not saying that you personally were scared, but like you you said you thought that 
if you were a kid, you might have been scared watching it? I think so, yeah. As an adult, no, I've seen way worse things. I think it was more fun, like campy. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like Sleepy Hollow, or actually no, Sleepy Hollow did have some really fucked up parts. But campy like Edward Scissorhands campy. That kind of same, that same vibe. It's funny to me that Seymour is, that strange plants are his hobby. I mean, what else does he have going on? It's just interesting. So I guess I was wondering if, if you could... I think it's interesting that this shop even exists I know. in, in Skid, Skid Row. Row. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out if they were in a particular city, but I guess not. Skid Row is in LA. Yeah, I think it was just a basic concept of urban... It's downtown poor urban it's downtown, downtown nice life. And, yeah. yeah. It is weird that there's a flower shop in the middle of this. And the flower right. shop keeps getting all this acclaim and then it gets nicer and nicer as time goes on really weird i love by the way the uh the floral arrangement she puts together for mm-hmm. the funeral just some calla lilies and a black uh ribbon yeah and, and some glitter sparkle. some and glitter. glitter yeah um do you have any weird hobbies um no maybe i don't know no so i wouldn't say this is a hobby but it's a career that i have always kind of secretly wanted which does quite fall in line with all of this i think um, there's a part of me that's always really wanted to be a puppeteer. I think just okay because it's so this kind easy. of falls in line with what we're doing here. What we're talking about, <laughs> um, but I I do like making stories, doing voices, having a different kind of persona that you can riff with, and um, I just there's something really fun and kind of childlike mm-hmm. and carefree about speaking through someone else I, I don't I don't and I think there's something amazing about with a puppet giving it different expressions mm-hmm. um which seems almost impossible because until you stick your hand in it it's an inanimate object but you can just by thinking about different ways to move this fabric mm-hmm. and I'm talking obviously about a really simplistic puppet not like an Audrey too um but just by moving around the different pieces you can make something come to life and i think there's something so magical about that um yeah i wouldn't call it a hobby other yeah, than maybe talking to the a weird hobby maybe talking to the dogs and cats with puppets sometimes yeah but... didn't you have like a, it was a hippopotamus puppet yes. that you got in new york like yes at, at the big toy store the, yes he's a doctor Right, yeah. Um, I don't recall his name. Doctor, he was definitely a doctor, though. I remember. I can't remember his name either, but he did follow us around for the rest of that trip. Yes, he was quite involved. He, yes, he. And he's, I don't feel like he's he was a medical doctor. He was more of like a shrink. Um, I don't believe he ever said, but he certainly would fancy himself to be a medical doctor in oh. the same way that Steve Martin insisted that uh, Audrey call him he doctor, doctor, even though <laughs> right. he was a dentist. Yes, he was much the same way. This I this see. hippo, who I know his name, and I feel like an asshole that I don't. Yeah, I feel bad. I can't remember either. Um, but yeah, he's, he's at home right now. He has made videos in the past. That's right. Yeah. That I've said to people as well. <laughs> Which maybe that's a weird hobby, making videos of yourself being, doing I, puppet work. I don't do it often. <laughs> um, but sure. Otherwise, I mean, I don't, I don't garden. Everything, every plant in my house is dead. I know. Same. I like to work out. I don't think that's a weird hobby. No, that's not a hobby. Um, I don't know. I like I to any. write things and then give up halfway through. Is that considered a hobby? I tend I tend to felines. 
that's not really I a hobby. I tend to do that. Yeah, I don't know that I have any, like, right now, hobby is a tough right, tough one right now. Like, I don't had, I didn't have anything, like, we sort of had storytelling as sort of a hobby for a while, but yeah. that hasn't been happening, so. I need something. Yeah. Same. Maybe I should break the puppets out. I like to drink wine. Does that count as a hobby? No, that just counts as drinking wine. I'm trying to think if I ever had any weird hobbies. Like as a kid. Oh, I did magic as a kid. I never did magic. I actually would, in line with the puppetry, I'm missed out of my life. I'm like, I'm working as some kind of fucking editor as an online thing. I should have been a a traveling (laughs) magician puppeteer. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I did used to save, like my first set of contacts I saved in like a little jewelry box. I saved some teeth in there that's not a hobby that's just i know i just like a collect a collector of things juggling have you ever done juggling i've i could probably juggle some scarves one of my most um adored gifts that i've received in my life is the flying penguini (laughs) which are they're just four little uh beanbag penguins and then they gave instructions in it for how to learn how to juggle my dad got them for me one year and i had never expressed any interest in juggling he just saw them and thought like she likes, you know, kind of quirky, weird stuff. I bet she'd like something like this. So the fact that, first of all, I really did like it mm-hmm. and wanted to learn how to juggle and that they were penguins and I love animals and the fact that my dad knew enough about me to know that, no, she hasn't expressed interest in juggling, but things that are kind of weird and similar, like, like maybe magic or puppets or, you mm-hmm. know, playing with toys or things like that, that, yeah, I think she'd really like it. That was, yeah, that was one of the gifts I most love. I still have them. I am still not an expert at all at juggling. I don't know. I should take it back up again. Maybe by the end of quarantine, I'll be able to juggle chainsaws. Let's not. No? Fire? I've always wanted. Fire, I'd be down for. I've always wanted to eat fire. Maybe like some sticks that the ends are lit on fire and you can. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to juggle them. I've I've always wanted to be able to eat fire and swords. (laughs) Is that a weird thing? You need to go to the... um, there was the is there like a circus training there program was a festival that jim was always wanting to go to um it was a beer festival they had it in the spring and they had this i can't remember her name sally something maybe but she was a sword swallower she mm. would walk on glass and do all that kind of stuff it was really cool i mean i can walk on glass i've done it i, I i've cut myself mm-hmm. the lupulin festival that's what oh it was. okay um all of that just i think there's something really appealing about Completely useless but weird shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like in a past swords. in a past life, perhaps I ran a freak show. I don't know, but there's yeah, there's just something fascinating about. Can you fit your entire fist in your mouth? Can you? Most people have never tried. Not as a fist. I've tried. I, I can fit my hand in my mouth, but and not then, all the way to like the and then fist part it. of your palm, just um, like this top half. I can because I can. Oh, and that's that, why you I do it this way. Yeah, I can do that. Yourself? Well, that's the thing is I have. Because I think you're supposed to make the fist and then like... You are. But I have really bad TMJ. Oh, yeah. There you go. Which is a great excuse, I know. Right, but I it's, know. it is true. And honestly, since I've had my wisdom teeth removed, I cannot open my jaw nearly as far as... it Because mm-hmm. I remember almost getting my fist into my mouth when I was probably in my early teens. And there's no way it would happen now. But I can get my hand in there because I can kind of suspend my gag reflex a bit, which is why I think I would succeed at sword swallowing if I ever were to try. But I could also, of course, just kill myself. Sword swallowing, 
I guess it's kind of how I feel about it is there must be something protecting them, right? Or no, they're really just sticking the sword in there. Yeah, I think you're just able to... Open your throat enough that it, you can't right. hurt yourself. Right, right. Fuck that. Which is super dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And honestly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's like so the I'm ping pong show it. where they put like needles and birds up there. I felt like there had to be something inside well, to protect them. No, I mean, you can do that with any orifice, I guess. I think you're probably safer doing it there than somewhere where it was. Funny story. <laughs> Not kind of sort of related you to being You tell me about the time you put something in your vagina that you shouldn't have? Yeah, it's still up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I carry I carried it around with Is me. it a kitten? Can we get it out? No, it's dead. It's just bones. Lindsay. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it wouldn't survive for long, right? It's no. Like a, it's like the Sarlacc pit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly like that. I uh, I heard the other day, and I had never heard this before, even though it does make sense. You never want to blow air or inject air into your vagina. It, but Why? Okay, first Because of all, it can cause an embolism, especially. In your vagina? Yeah, because you do, if it actually does reach up into your uterus, there are many blood vessels, obviously, in your uterine wall. So if you have one. And you can get an air bubble in there. And you can have an embolism and die. More so, it's more so for pregnant women, of course, because the placenta is nothing but a bundle of. So wait, so wait. You're telling me. Because apparently there are men out there who think it's funny to give head and blow air up a woman's hole. Like, I I just read about this the other day. On what? What do you mean on what? On where? Where did you read this? Oh, fuck. I don't remember. Maybe that's another hobby, just falling down the internet holes. Okay, wait. So you're telling me that there are men in the world who like to blow up your hoo-ha, mm-hmm. and then it could go all the way up past your cervix into your uterus and create an air bubble in your blood vessels that would be an embolism, and then... That could, could kill you. Yeah. I'm not saying it's something that happens often. There was a woman who did die. She was like on a float trip with her boyfriend and he thought it would be funny as they were airing up the rafts. He thought it would be funny to just like shoot the air. That upper. doesn't sound like a smart idea. No. And she <laughs> got an embolism and he died. Prob- and that's like high pressure, man. Yeah. That's obviously different and not funny. But I'm sure he wasn't thinking that it was going to go somewhere potentially dangerous. Right. right. Well, I mean, you do. There is the queef. That's like nature's well, way that's of the opposite, expelling the air. Correct. Right, so he was probably just thinking, like, she'll queef a lot later and it'll be funny. Yeah, I guess. Do you remember that float trip where, where we taught somebody about queef? Man, that was funny. <laughs> that was, was it queef and rainbow kisses, I, I think? I don't know. It was a great, well, the rainbow kisses, I Or had they come up at a different time? Rainbow kisses was when we were hanging out with, like, that was a different float trip. Because I wasn't was there. Like a, maybe a camp out with, like, Alex and Alex's friends. Yeah, because I remember the stuff. first time, but I think that was the first time we explained it to Katie. I don't know. I just remember Eric explaining what a queef was. Just being like, this is the best night of my life. Here's a stranger you've never met before, and he's going to explain to you what queef is. And yet you won't watch the Aquafina show where there's an entire episode. <laughs> about queefing. About queefing. And they record it, and it becomes, like, part of this guy's music, and she doesn't make any royalties off of it. <laughs> that's bullshit. Yeah, it is. Because that's her. Like, that's, that's a her that doesn't get more it's like a her than that. Copyright infringement. That's like using your photo or something. But to even more personal. Yeah, exactly. So something else I thought about when I was watching this was the corpse flower at the botanical garden, which I've never seen. I've not seen it either. But yeah, I can't help it. I mean, he says it when he brings, when he brings uh, Audrey to upstairs. He says it's probably some kind of like fly, fly trap, trap, which is kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. I just, yeah. 
And, but it also reminds me of, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe the corpse flower is an Audrey too. Maybe. Um, it only blooms. And it's just. So often. It's just that no one was there to ever give the corpse flower fresh meat. <laughs> or it could have grown and spoken like Audrey too. It would be funny if it was named Audrey too. But I, I think somebody think should sneak into the botanical gardens and try giving a little bit of blood and see if it blooms more. Something else I thought of when when people were inside of Big Audrey's mouth, um, when Guar used to have people get eaten by the big monster thing, yeah. that <laughs> like uh, especially that scene in Empire Records, where Mark, who's played by Ethan Embry, I love that movie eats so the much, hot brownie and then fantasizes about getting eaten by I, it's the same kind of deal. Ugh, now I want to go home and watch Empire Records. Too. When Audrey was inside of Audrey too, I was so I I thought she was a goner. In, in the um, stage production, she does. The, all of them die. Which is why I want to see the stage production, too, and mm-hmm. see if I could handle it. <laughs> and I I think it's Moranis that says it. At the end, when he's, like, going to face off with Audrey, he's like, this is between me and the vegetable. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a really good dialogue in here, I thought. Yeah. He he really did. I, I can't imagine who else they could have had playing that part in the movie in 86 he really did such a nice job and you know we were talking about this earlier because your dad texted you was it yesterday oh yeah so i i called him earlier in the day um mostly to see if i could drop the dog off early Mm -hmm. but also just to say you know yeah we're we're gonna be watching little shop of horrors but we talk about our first times with it now i remember my first time with it so do you remember my first time with it and he was like no nah, not really you know i just remember showing it to you guys and you guys liked it um but because we had talked about that a couple hours later he texted me yeah while we were in a meeting he texted me uh did you hear that rick moranis was attacked he, i think he said he said did you hear he was uh, let me find it because it did amuse me it says did you hear rick moran is was attacked in parentheses knocked down today because he was which i was like what i called he had called and i figured it was after he sent that text after so i figured that was why he called but i called back just to see if he called about something else and he was like yeah yeah i just you know i wanted to let you know it seems really timely (laughs) but i heard you somebody was running past and they just shoved him down and he hit hard and he he, did he hurt his hip i didn't look anything up about it no i don't i haven't i'm gonna google it but i mean he is an older gentleman and you hit concrete hard like whoo says victim of unprovoked attack caught on camera in manhattan oh no this is from the nypd it's from 1043 this morning, October 3rd. Confirms, NYPD confirms actor Rick Moranis was randomly attacked by a stranger Thursday on the Upper West Side. Happened in broad daylight just before 7.30 a.m. in Central Park West near 70th. He's only 67. I said older, gentlemen. I didn't say elderly cameras captured the attack on the actor. Video shows the suspect ironically wearing an I Love New York sweatshirt. That's not ironic. Walk up. And I guess if you consider Rick Moranis to be an icon of New York. <laughs> Maybe. Walk up and punch Moranis in the head. What? Knocking him to the ground. What a fucktard. Um, he you know what him. I really like to do? Just walk up to old defenseless men who, I mean, what is he, like 5'5"? Five, five, and punch him in the head. 
Detective Kaz Daughtry told CBS 2's Jenna DeAngelis, he's doing well, he's strong, he's recovering. He has some injuries to his left side. And apparently their new Community Affairs Rapid Response Team checked on Moranis, as it does with many victims of violent crimes, to offer support, groceries, or anything they may need. Good job with the PR, NYPD. Yeah, right. Way to go. Right. Um, He wants to stay home, he just wants to recover, and he just wants peace of mind. Well, yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait, he was attacked and he just wants to recover and be safe? Weird. This This is great. They have quotes from his neighbors? Good lord. They really got in there, huh? Not enough news to cover? And then it, the tweet from Ryan Reynolds. Should have known not to subject Rick to the year 2020. Glad to hear he's okay. Thanks yeah. for your comments. So, because Ryan Reynolds did something with him, like a, a commercial or something, and it was like yeah. the first time you brought him back. I haven't actually seen it. My dad mentioned it the other day. Oh, here's the video if you want to watch it. Of him getting knocked down? It's awful. Why would if I want to see that? You can't see it. This guy just, wa- he just, it's mean. It's mean. That fucker. It's mean. That guy should go to jail. That guy. That guy Rick, should get punched in the fucking head. Rick Moranis is a natural, natural, natural. He's a national treasure. Let me tell you something. You walk up to some stranger on the street and you punch him in the head, you deserve to get fucking punched in the head. <laughs> I don't believe in an eye for an eye. I don't believe in the death penalty, but I do believe in a punch for a punch. A punch for a punch. Yeah. That Damn is fucking really right. Who would hit an old man? Who would hit anyone you don't fucking know who didn't do shit it's to me. you? It's me. So yeah, so that's a little bit of the moment with uh, yeah. us doing this movie at the day after. Speaking Moranis of is how attacked. Rick Moranis is, as you say, a natural treasure. <laughs> uh, but no, he definitely, like I mentioned, a big part of my childhood. Um, oh, yeah. He even calls Audrey Tui. Like he I gives know. her a nickname. Mm. So. I have the correct answer in mind, and I'm sure that you will probably agree, but the best um, small role in the movie, small character that came up. Oh, um, does Steve Martin count in the group? I'm still thinking. No, I would say he's one of the mains. Okay, so we've got Jim Belushi, Christopher Guest. It's it's Bill Murray. It's Bill Murray. Yeah, it's got to be Bill Murray. I- honestly really liked christopher guest um well all of them were great yeah and candy was really great too but yeah, bill yeah. murray john candy was it was perfect for what you kind of think of as that stereotypical radio dj of the yeah. time like yeah. perfect mm-hmm. yeah he's amazing but fucking bill murray man he's Fuck. always wonderful i don't think i've seen anything that he's been in that i hated lost in translation you didn't like it no but you don't like sofia coppola exactly no i love bill murray i just think it was a terrible movie damn we need to do virgin suicide still on the list mm, also i think it's a terrible movie You've from what it? i've seen no i haven't seen all of it because i refused yeah what i had okay, seen I bits like and pieces it. i was like oh. heart it. so well, just saying, it's got Josh Hartnett. Pearl Harbor has Josh Hartnett. Yeah. You're going to tell me that's but a great movie? But it also movie? has Ben Affleck. So Ben Affleck is canceling out I don't think that Josh was the problem. Har- no, it does. That it, was not the problem with Pearl it Harbor. Does. It does. It cancels it out. That's not how that You know that what the best worked. part of Pearl Harbor is? When they're like running through the fucking sheets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. I'm not going to lie. Pearl Harbor gave me feels. Uh, it was good at that. I don't like Kate Beckinsale. No, I don't either. Have you seen Serendipity? Uh, yes. Oh. Yeah. 
I saw it in the theater. Oh, Not I even, think I, I might have why. to. I think I saw it in the theater just because I was, you know, what, a teenager, early 20 and mm-hmm. early 20s, and it was That's a romantic comedy kind of. John Cusack in it. Yeah. John Cusack's usually okay. The only thing that, wasn't there, there was a book in it, right, that somebody signed? Yeah, Love in the Time of... Uh, Cholera? Was that it? I yeah. literally, that's all I really remember about the movie is that, that I saw it. it, it had them in it, and they find, or he finds a book. Maybe the, the book dumbest outside. premise in, in, in the entire history of movies. I um, doubt that. There are a great many, but that sure. she would write her name in this book, and then the, he would find the book somehow years later, and she's got this fucking fiance. It's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. And then serendipity is like, the serendipity coffee shop is like a thing that yeah. people you've been there right i think so yeah i thought we, we might have gone there on our they have new like york the frozen trip, hot we? chocolate or something yeah. that's supposed overrated to be i mean it's good right? but it's like overrated now know. you throw a few shots of espresso in there sure i was yeah. gonna say like bailey's or i don't know why not do or both? brandy or bourbon would be wonderful well, all of the above <laughs> yes let's put some caffeine and some sugar and some alcohol and we'll just fly to the moon yeah blast off that sounds amazing all right. Well, I don't have. Do you have anything else about Little Shop, Little Shop of Horrors? No, I don't think so. I think it was just. Um, I will say that, you know, we talk a lot about, especially the movies where there's a big chunk of time in between when we watched the first time or the second or the mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I wasn't a hundred percent sure how I would feel about this one because it had been so long since I've seen it, and again, it was one that. I knew mostly from my childhood and 80s, you know, yeah. things that have been that long back. You, you sometimes like Alf, for example. I <laughs> loved Alf growing up. And I a few years ago watched an episode of it and was like, oh, my God, this show's terrible. It's bad. It's so and bad. I think it's hard to watch old TV now, too, because the quality is just piss poor. Right, right. So that's what I mean. Is I don't mean for the quality a variety, of the writing, but like the, the, the actual video quality. Watching it, yes. And for a variety of reasons, the, the quality isn't what you expect um the acting is different as well just Mm -hmm. as it you know 30 years from now we're gonna be saying the same thing about stuff made currently uh yeah but so i had a little bit of hesitancy man as soon as i turned it on as soon as it got going it felt good it just felt so good well because part of that is because it was set in a different time in a different time it's set in the 60s and like you said it it feels more like a stage production Mm -hmm. which can be any time Anytime. I mean, Mm -hmm. if they do it as a stage production now, they're going to have the same production quality. Yeah. And everybody in it is just so amazing. They are. And the, so I also think the puppetry, that aged really well too. Mm -hmm. Um, The realism of it. So yeah. I got no beefs. No. Yeah. So that was, I, it felt really good watching it again, which I was really pleased with. I was really happy Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. I, I, Definitely would recommend it to people. I probably wouldn't show it to your kids. Like, how old were you when you watched it? Probably six, seven, eight. Yeah. I would think this would be something you could show to your 10-year-old, maybe. But I do think that some of the themes are probably a little... Mm, I don't know. I mean, if you're watching it with your kid and they ask questions and you can talk about it, Mom, why did that man throw that and what was it? It I, was semen. There you go. And then well, we can yeah, have a but conversation I, about what semen is. I don't know. I guess that was kind of what I was saying before about, you know, when you have something that's a little bit silly, a little bit campy, and it's a musical, I think it's really easy for kids to 
not think about and not even see and notice mm-hmm. a lot of those things. So do I remember that Steve Martin's character was bad? Yes. Do I mm-hmm. remember that he, was that he actually beat her? Yeah. No. I don't. I, I may have picked up on it, and I may not have. I don't really remember that. So I think you can get away with it as, you know what? You make your own choices as a parent. <laughs> but, but in my mind, this isn't a bad movie for kids just because I don't think they're going to pick up on the things that we pick up on as adults. I also think, like, nowadays, there's so much stuff the kids are probably watching that it's light years beyond the kind of stuff that we would have seen as a kid i don't know i mean i was by seven i think i had seen most of what was available at that time from arnold schwarzenegger and john claude van damme Mm -hmm. for sure john claude van damme that's just a lot of violence it's a lot of violence it's a lot of violence i don't know i guess Watching that, usually those kinds of movies, the the main, the, the good guy is the good guy and he's justified in his actions. It was kind of like you were talking about Seymour in this movie. He never actually kills anyone. He's not right. really a bad person. And I think that makes it a much more healthy thing for kids to watch, actually, than something like, uh, I don't know, even Commando, which is another one that is on the list because it's a treasured uh, childhood movie of mine. So fucking weird. Which you've not seen, and I believe it's on HBO right I now. was watching The Little Mermaid on a loop, and, and you were like, Commando, Commando. Right. yeah. But he, you know, he's a good guy. I mean, he's taking care of his kid, but he's killing people along the way, too. Mm-hmm. And really, let's be real, we shouldn't be thinking of people who are killing people as good people. I'm, I'm not saying that justifiable homicide isn't, you know, it's in the name, justifiable. But when you're mm-hmm. talking about a movie and you're watching a movie and it's filled with violence and there's somebody who yeah. actually is behaving in a really violent way, we shouldn't really be touting them as the hero. And you might become then desensitized to it or think that that kind of yeah, violence I think is okay. In my mind, I think that's the bigger issue when people talk about... Sh- you know, kids enduring so much violence in terms of movies mm-hmm. and television and video games. games. People want um, to talk about the fucking games. And I don't want to talk about the satanic music. Right. I don't think it's the violence itself that necessarily desensitizes anyone. I think it's how it's shown and how it's perceived mm-hmm. and the story that goes along with it. So I can watch, there was a car chase in a Steven Seagal movie. And I don't remember what movie it was because it was a fucking Steven Seagal movie. But it was, it, the woman who played his girlfriend was a former ADA in Law & Order. Oh, I can't remember her name. Dark hair. Could be anybody. Okay. Well, anyway, it was her. And she was playing his girlfriend and she was involved in this Jill car Hennessey? chase. Maybe. Yeah. I think so. Okay. And she was involved in this car chase. And it's a like traditional car chase that you see in any movie. Only... She's looking over her shoulder at one point to see the guy who's chasing her. And because of that, she's not paying any fucking attention, rams into a parked car and kills herself. Okay. Which is the kind of shit that would happen in real life Mm -hmm. if you do that stupid shit. You give me a car chase like that and I can enjoy the action of it and also feel the realistic implications of it. Sure. As opposed to any of the Fast and Furious movies, which mm-hmm. the first Fast and Furious movie I do love, but once you get into like Fast Five and they're doing all this crazy shit mm-hmm. on the highways and you see cars crashing yeah, around them. And stuff's blowing up. And if you pay attention, you damn well know that that means innocent people have just died. Mm-hmm. And yet all that's being really shown to you for you to care about is fast cars moving mm-hmm. fast. This is so yeah. cool. Yeah. That's a problem. Right. Well, yeah, that's what people have beef with Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. For the well, same. that and, you know, you, like, earn points for running over 
prostitutes and yeah, shit like or that. Yeah, like you can have sex with prostitutes. I don't know. Like, it's weird. Um, <laughs> there are other things built into that that are obviously yeah. problems. You but. know, that's interesting. I, so I do want to see Commando because I am interested to see how that is portrayed because I got to tell you, I don't, I've only seen the first John Wick and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's why I haven't seen any and of them, I actually. I love Keanu, but... I, I just, do too, but to I, me, this was just straight. It was pure violence. It was just, it was, and I felt the same way. And honestly, I saw Equalizer is fucking stupid. And I liked Denzel Washington. John Wick was way better than Equalizer. Equalizer was dumb. Like, I just thought it was just dumb. I mean, I saw it and it just didn't stick out as anything special. It just was stupid. But, uh, same kind of thing though. Here's mm-hmm. this guy and he's just, it's just somebody being a bad. It's like every Liam Neeson movie ever. Right. Like, Liam Neeson's just going to be a bad. I just, don't give a shit anymore like i've watched plenty of movies like that and when i was a kid i liked them because i had a child's mind but as a mature adult and i'm seeing all this other stuff going on around first of all it's boring because it's been done a million times and second of all i'm seeing the real life implications going on that aren't being addressed at all and it just makes me angry so it takes me out of what's Mm -hmm. supposed to be a fun car chase because all i can think about is a family of four was just killed yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting to think about that because I, it's not that there isn't a plot. It just feels very boring. And then you think about, like, Mission Impossible movies or James Bond movies. Similar, but not necessarily because there's always something larger at play. Mm-hmm. Like, John Wick, it, it, the first one is all, like, this personal vendetta. Like, right. he was he was this guy who did nefarious things, and now and then he was deactivated, and he's react. He's back. He's back, and he's going to fuck shit up. Mm. But there's no larger anything at play. Like with the Bourne supremacy, there's something larger at play. Yeah. And the great thing about the Bourne identity and all of those, well, the Bourne identity mm-hmm. in particular, but the mystery that you have throughout. So yeah, there's a lot of great action sequences in mm-hmm. there. But the whole point of the movie is here's a man who knows how to do all of this shit and doesn't have a clue yeah. as to how so there's or a why. Mystery. And then there's that greater mystery as to, well, how did he, he got amnesia because he was almost killed. Mm-hmm. Because there's obviously some sort of international conspiracy going oh, on yeah. beyond that. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to be taken in there and to be considered. So Commando, Commando will, will watch. be a fun watch. Yeah, and I haven't seen that one in years either. All of which is to say, there are way worse things for your kids to watch than Little, than Shop, of Little Shop of Horrors. So if you're so inclined, but Frank Oz can't beat him. Mm-hmm. Come on, Yoda, he is. True. <laughs> this is accurate. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hey people, this is Leah. I wanted you to know that Barf, my sensitive boy Garfield, is doing okay. He throw he throws up sometimes. It's a cat thing. Um, and he has some allergies. He's like I said, he's a very sensitive boy. Um, and he's a very sweet boy. But he's also a big boy. He got the name Garfield because of his size and because of his color. He's an orange tabby, and I love him very much. Um, so, uh, we may have seen, may have seemed a little bit insensitive when we were laughing at him throwing up, but really he gets plenty of snuggles and plenty of treats and I love him. I love him so much. Um, and he's doing okay. He's a good boy. Um, so, uh, my hope is to release another episode this week. Uh, we both watched Shaun of the Dead last week. So since it's Halloween, it's a twofer. We, we're delivering to you this one on Little Shop of Horrors, and then uh, maybe a little bit later this week, Shaun of the Dead. And then uh, Halloween is over on Saturday, which is very sad. Well, so Halloween is on Saturday. Halloween is a Saturday and a blue moon, and it's also the end of Daylight Savings. 
Um, so we're rolling our clocks back. So a big, a big Saturday for everybody. So I hope you all enjoy your Halloween. You are safe. You're wearing your masks and you are also collecting lots of good candy or you're at home and getting wine drunk. Like I probably will be. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe and on Apple podcast, if you would rate us and review us, that would be cool. But if you don't want to do that, that's cool too. You can find us on Twitter at MovieVirginsPod. Sometimes there are tweets. Sometimes there are not tweets. I think that's it for right now. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. One last thing. The music in this episode was written and performed by Melissa Powers. 